Hello everyone and welcome back to Unknown Serial Killers. Thank you again for joining me as we uncover another average person who likes to kill for fun. Last week we spoke on Roy Whiting, a child rapist and murderer. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out because you don't want to miss it. As always, viewers discretion is advised because we're talking about violence, murder, and possible drug use. Today we're doing a two-for-one, as I like to call this episode, Black Widows. Let's start things off with Kelly Gisander. Kelly Renee Gisander was born on March 8, 1968 in Lawrenceville, Georgia. She was born into a poor cotton farming family. According to sworn affidavits by friends and family members, she was molested by her stepfather and other men during her childhood and adolescence. During her senior year of high school, she was claimed to have been date raped. Nine months later, her first son was born. In 1987, at the age of 19, Kelly Gisander married her first husband, Jeff Banks. They stayed together for six months. Kelly married Douglas Gisander for the first time on September 2nd, 1989. They had a baby together, lost their jobs, and moved in with Kelly's mother. Douglas joined the army, and they were sent to Germany. Kelly became pregnant by another man who later died of cancer. She and Douglas were divorced in 1993. In May 1995, she remarried Douglas. In December 1966, the couple brought a house together in Auburn, Georgia. In addition to her daughter with Douglas, had two sons. Douglas was the stepfather to her sons. On February 7, 1997, Gregory Bruce Owen, born March 17, 1971, hid near the couple's home in Auburn. When Douglas arrived, Owen forced Douglas into his car at night point and drove him to a wooded area in Gwinnett County near Harborns Park. After striking Douglas in the head with a nightstick, Owen stabbed Douglas in the neck and back multiple times. When Kelly arrived at the scene moments later, the two set fire to her husband's car and hid the body in the woods. Before trial, prosecutors offered both Owen and Gissender a plea deal of life in prison and no chance of parole for 25 years. Gissender, however, rejected the plea deal. Gissender was convicted of orchestrating her husband's murder and sentenced to death in 1998. After Owen testified against her in the plea agreement in which he was sentenced to life imprisonment, Owen told a jury that Gissender had first approached him about a way to get rid of her husband three months before the murder. He further testified that Gisander thought murder was the only way to get Douglas out of her life and still get the house and pay off from his life insurance policy. During the trial, Gisander was discovered to have threatened witnesses and also applied to pay a witness to commit perjury. Gisander's execution was scheduled for February 25, 2015, when the winter storm delayed it until March 2, 2015. Her execution was further delayed when one of the execution drugs was thought to have been spoiled through improper storage, though it was later determined that the drug had merely precipitated out of solution due to colder than recommended storage conditions. Archbishop Carlo Marie, Maria Degano, on behalf of Pope Francis, urged the Georgia State Board of Pardons and Paroles to spare Gissinger's life. Gissinger's clemency application to the Board of Pardons included support from a number of correctional officers whom had met while in prison. Norman S. Fletcher, the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Georgia, urged clemency because capital punishment was not proper mental to her crime. 
The Georgia Republican Party's general counsel and Republican Bob Barr also supported clemency. The board again declined to commute her sentence on September 29, 2015. Georgia is one of the three U.S. states in which the governor is not empowered to grant clemency to the condemned. Gissinger was scheduled to be executed on September 29, 2015, but was again delayed by appeals. She was finally executed by lethal injection at the Georgia Diagnostic and Clarification Prison in Jackson, Georgia on September 30th at 12.21 a.m. Gissinger cried, prayed, and sang Amazing Grace and said, and quote, and I love you, Sally, and I love you, Susan. You let my kids know I went out singing Amazing Grace and tell the Gissinger family I am so sorry that amazing man lost his life because of me. And if I could take it back, if this would change it, I would have done it a long time ago, but it's not. And I just hope they can find peace and I hope they find some happiness. God bless you, end quote. She was the first woman executed in Georgia since 1945, as well as the only woman executed in the United States in 2015. So at the end of it all, she kind of had some remorse, even though it was too late. She could have definitely rethought this plan or idea. Um, now her kids is going to have no parents. They have no mom. They have no dad. And it's a pretty sad story because who wants to see kids grow up without parents? So that was the story of Kelly Renee Gissinger, and we're going to move on to our second Black Widow. Betty Lou Dunvant was born on March 12, 1937 in Roxborough, North Carolina, to Margaret Lewis Smithwick and George Garland Dunvant. Beats was deaf due to a childhood bout with measles and claimed she was sexually abused by her father. When Beats was a child, the family moved from North Carolina to Hampton, Virginia, where her father was employed as a machinist at the Langley Research Center. Her mother was institutionalized when she was 12 years old, leaving her to take care of her younger sister and brother. Beats married her first husband, Robert Franklin Branson, at age 15, and according to her supporters, all her marriages were plagued with sexual abuse and domestic violence, which Beats cited only well after her conviction and sentence of death. Beats had a criminal history prior to her arrest for murder, including public lewdness and shooting former husband Bill Lane in the side of the abdomen. Married six times, twice to the same man, Beats saw her second husband, Billy York Lane, twice in the back of the head in 1970. She was acquitted and the two remarried, divorcing again a month later. She later tried to run over her third husband, Rodney, with her car in 1978. Both men survived and testified at her murder trial. On August 6, 1983, Beats reported her fifth husband, Jimmy Don Beats, missing from their home near Cedar Creek Lake in Henderson County, Texas. Her son, Robert Branson, later testified that Mrs. Beats said that she intended to kill her husband and told her son to leave the house. On returning that to the house, two hours later, he found Jimmy Don Beats dead with two gunshot wounds. He helped his mother conceal the body below ground in the front yard of the house, after which Mrs. Beats telephoned the police. According to her son, Beats put some of Jimmy Don's heart medicine in his fishing boat the next day. Branson and Beats then abandoned the boat in the lake. It was found on August 12, 1983, washed ashore near the Redwood Beach Marina. 
Believing that he had fallen overboard and drowned, the police spent three weeks dragging the lake looking for Jimmy Don's body. In 1985, information was received by the Henderson County Sheriff that led to enough evidence to arrest Beats for the June 8th murder. After a search warrant was issued, a search of Beats' home found the remains of Jimmy Don in a filled-in wishing well. Also found buried in the garage were the remains of Dole Wayne Barker, her fourth husband. Both had been shot with a 38 caliber pistol. She was never tried for Barker's murder. Jamie Dunn Beats was her fifth husband. She was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Beats was executed by lethal injection at 6.18 p.m. on February 24, 2000 in a Huntsville unit. She did not request a final meal, nor did she make a final statement. Beats was the second woman executed in the state after the reintroduction of the death penalty. At the time of the execution, she was 62 years old and had five children, nine grandchildren, and six great-grandchildren. Like most, most executed criminals, Beats was cremated after her death. Her ashes were scattered over her mother's grave. Now, this lady, on the other hand, was ridiculous. She killed a lot of her husbands and tried to kill two of them, and they found two on her property. Now, I don't know if this lady had a motive, whether it was like for life insurance or just the houses, but she is definitely the definition of a black widow because she could care less about any of her husbands, the kids she had with them, or if she had kids with any of them, their parents or whatever the case may be. Just be careful who you guys marry and do your background checks because something like this could definitely happen. Thank you guys for joining me this week, and hopefully you come back next week as we uncover another unknown serial killer. Please be nice to people because you never know who they killed, and watch out who you marry because you never know they might be planning to kill you next. Thank you for joining me. See you guys next week.